Please be seated. And kindly turn your Bible to our epistle reading today, Hebrew chapter 5, verses 11 to chapter 6, verse 20. This reading can be found on page 1195 of the Church Bible. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to chapter 6, verses 20. And also in the middle page of the Church Bulletin, you can find the outline for our sermon today page 6 and page 7 of the church bulletin, the outline for the sermon today. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to chapter 6, verse 20. And let us pray. Father, for the gift of your word, we give you thanks. Open our ears and open our heart to hear your word and also to receive your word. And Lord, help me to preach your word with clarity and faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And friends, we are continuing on with our series on Hebrew. And we arrived in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11, to all the way to the last verse of chapter 6. And friends, I always love to see the measurement ruler stuck on the wall of many homes that have small kids. Some might draw lines as well, indicating the height of the child during certain ages. It is always a joy to see the child grow. However, imagine, instead of the child is growing, it starts to shrink. Or, instead of growing, it becomes stagnant. It would be a very worrying process, and as a parent, you might bring them to doctor to see what is wrong with this child. Unless the child starts to grow again, the stress to the parents start to mount up, and the anxiety in their heart would be great. And something similar is taking place in our Hebrew reading today. The writer has to speak hard words to them so that the believers might grow. But he's not talking about the physical growth here. But he's talking about the growth in maturity and knowledge. Together, the growth in the faith of Christ and of God. He gives a great warning for the hearers back then. A warning which is important for us even today. So let us look at the warning and the assurance that the writer gives to the sermon of title, Grow Up. Dear friends, if you look at verse 11 and verse 12 of chapter 5, we can see the writer is very angry. He opens up and says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. Friends, last week we saw the writer talks about Jesus as high priest after the order of Melchizedek. However, before he goes deeper, he took a pause from verse 11, chapter 5, to all the way at the end of chapter 6, to take time actually to scold and to warn his reader. He expected his hearer and the reader to have grown in their understanding and be a teacher by this time, but they are not. They have become dull of hearing. Like Maso Telinga Kiri, Kloa Telinga Kanan. 
is entering their, through their left ears and goes out through their right ears. They need someone to teach them again the basic principle, the basic oracles of God, like the baby who needs milk, not solid food. It seems like going back to the kindergarten, learning A, B, C, D, one, two, three, four, for one year, then repeating the same for the years again and again and again, never wanting to grow up. That is why the writer further describes them as a child or a baby. Friends, for a baby to grow, they need milk. But after a certain months, they need more nutrition to grow. The baby cannot depend on milk forever. That is why in verse 13, the writer writes in a very stern way and says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled for righteousness. Uh, is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Friends, the problem is not the lack of education or the lack of teaching here. The problem is the hearer. The food has been provided for them, but they chose only to drink milk. And by doing so, they become unskilled with the words of righteousness. That is why when temptation comes, many will fall away from faith. Friends, do you remember how Jesus defeated devil's temptation? When the devil manipulated the word of God, Jesus, with the power of discernment trained, was able to distinguish good from evil and answered Satan back with the word of God. And we, as a Christian, need the same. We need to grow further in the knowledge of the word of God. We need to progress from, salt, from milk to the solid food. Like the writer reminds them in verse 14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their power of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And friends, after explaining the need to grow up, the writer adds in verse 1 of chapter 6 and says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine and go into maturity. He now exhorts them. He now calls them to move on from the ABCD teaching of Christ and go deeper. They need to grow into maturity. But it does not mean they must give up or forget all these elementary doctrines, but they have to build upon it and become stronger. However, what are the some of the elementary doctrines that the writer wants them to live and go into maturity? They are the same ones which are applicable for us as well today. First, not laying a foundation of repentance from dead works. In other words, he's talking about the teaching that we are not saved by works, but by the repentance and faith in Christ. And the second, of faith toward God. This is a very basic teaching of Christianity, yet the most important. We need to have faith to a believer of and in Christ. And third, the instruction about washing. The washing here most likely refers to baptism. And the fourth, the laying of hands. The laying on of hands here could be, 
could possibly have two different meanings. First, the common practice of laying hands for healing, as we can see in Mark chapter 16, verse 18. Second, it could be referring to the confirming of spiritual gift, as we can see in Acts chapter 8, verse 17, and 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. And fifth, the resurrection of the dead. The hope of resurrection even after death is an absolute foundation to any real Christian faith. And the sixth, it talks about eternal judgment. The word eternal here implies to judgment on the last day. That is, the hell itself for those who have not repented or trust in Christ. And friends, all these points have been taught to them again and again and again. And so now, the writer wants them to move on, to leave this basic, to move on to maturity, to grow into maturity. But remember, again, he's not saying forget all this, but it means that you need to build upon it to grow and grow and grow. And friends, God surely wants his children to grow up in the spiritual maturity with the word of God. However, look at verse 3 of chapter 6. The writer says, And this we will do if God permits. Isn't it weird? In one hand, God wants us to grow. By another hand, we can do it if God permits. Is it contradicting? Surely it's not. The writer here refers to God sanctifying work through the Holy Spirit as well as the human responsibility to respond to this through the constant learning and deepening our understanding. Such maturity is always a gift from God. Even though there is a human element to maturity, it only can occur if God permits. And friends, after scolding, after exhorting them to grow up in their knowledge and to grow up into maturity, the writer now writes something I would like to avoid if I could. But however, I cannot skip over what the Bible says. And this leads to our second point. It is impossible. Look at verse 4 to verse 6. The writer says, It is impossible in the case those who have won be enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and then have fallen away. It is impossible to restore them again to repentance since they have crucified once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Or to make it simple, the writer is saying that for those who have left the faith, it is impossible for us to bring them into repentance or to restore them back into repentance. Oh God, what about my brothers and sisters who left the faith? Friends, the Bible is very clear that it is impossible to bring them back into repentance. And those he has in the mind more than just the nominal Christians. These are the people who have experienced in some sense a, a communication with God. In some sense, they experienced the power of God. However, they chose to turn back on Christ to live a sinful life, a faithless life. 
And the only hope for them is if they themselves realize and repent of what they are doing, like how Peter did after the denial of Jesus Christ, and that if only God permits. That's why we can see from verse 7 to verse 8, the writer uses agricultural language to explain that God wants them, and also together for us as well, to grow and to be useful and to continue to receive the heavenly blessing from God. But if they chose to bear thorns and thistles, they become worthless. They become useless. The beauty, but the beauty of the warning here is the word that the writer used in second part of the verse 8. Look at second part of the verse 8. He writes, near to being cursed. Friends, the possibility for these kind of people who have fallen away is still there. But the time is limited. It is very near. It is very close. That is why in verse 8 at the end he says, and at the end it will be burned. In simple language, if this continue, they would be sent into hell. Friends, if you are one of those who live in this kind of life, take this as a warning seriously. It would be impossible for me or any other brothers and sisters to bring you back into repentance. But you can still make a choice to make a U-turn and come back to the right track and continue to grow into maturity. And for those who still hold into the faith, and for those who are still a believer, this does not give us a license to forget our brothers and sisters who have fallen away. It is impossible for us to give any new teaching to bring them back into repentance. But it is always possible for us to pray for them so that they're able to come back to the right track. But moreover, as for the brothers and sisters who continue to grow up in faith and the knowledge, the writer has a good news for you. Look at verse 9 onward. He says, Though we speak in this word, in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. The writer says, yet in your case, indicating a strong contrast between the people who left the faith and also to the people who continue to hold fast into their faith. And he calls them beloved and says, he feels sure of better things in contrast of the terrible things faced by those who have fallen away. But you can ask, what are these better things? Things that belong to salvation. First, what could be more important for a human than salvation from the bondage of sin? And in addition, remember, this salvation is ours. If you only trust and put our faith in Christ, Nothing else. Only trust and put our faith in Christ. However, you can ask, why the writer is very sure of these things? Look at verse 10. He says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. Friends, the writer is confident because he knows God is just, and He will not overlook the work of the believers doing, especially loving the saints 
or the children of God. Guthrie, in his book, said, This combination between your work and the love which you showed is important, and the work is expressed in terms of love, and it's not be regarded as independent of it. So it comes together. And remember, the work, the love, and the service we render to God's people is ultimately for God's name and for God's glory alone, as the writer mentioned in verse 10. Or to make it in a very simple language, the work of the love are an outward sign that we are really growing in the faith of Christ. Friends, the writer also highlighted his personal desire that he wants each and one of them to show the same earnestness to have full assurance of hope until the end. And that is my deepest hope for all of us here today, that no one of us fall away from the faith like those the writer have mentioned earlier. It would be impossible to bring them back. We need to persevere as the writer one is reader to persevere in the faith until the end, either at the end of our life in this earth or the return of Christ. It is important to start well as well to end well. That is why he added, he wanted us to imitate those who have inherited these promises of God through patience. That is why in verse 12, he reminds them not to be sluggish, but an imitator of such people. Dear friends, let us be mindful that salvation is not by work, but it is seen perseverance for service and love to God's people through the faith and patience. And like us, these people inherited God's promises. And like us, they have full assurance of hope through faith in Christ. But however, someone might ask, how can I trust this assurance of hope? What if God actually lied? What is the guarantee or surety that I have and I will inherit this promise of salvation? What assurance do I have? These might be some of the questions that the people asked back then, or some of the questions lingering in our head as well. That is why, from verse 13 onward, the writer now talks about certainty of God's promise, especially the promise and the assurance of salvation, which leads to our fourth point. And friends, we can see the writer use one example from Old Testament and the life of Abraham and to show them. When God said to Abraham, Surely I will bless you and multiply you, God fulfilled it. But nevertheless, Abraham waited patiently. He never diverted from his faith in God. And by this, he obtained the promise. Perseverance in faith is the only thing that enabled Abraham to obtain what God promised to him. And friends, then in verse 16 to verse 18, we can see the writer compare the promise and the odd of a normal human being to God's promise and oath. Friends, and we know when a man promises something, 
it would be a very conventional practice to confirm it with an oath of a higher authority. Even if you want to take a loan in a bank, either car loan or house loan or whatever loan you want to take, we need to submit many documents. And if this is not enough, we need a, a qualified guarantor as well. The word of human is not enough and need to be backed up with a higher authority. And this become the oath and it would be the final as confirmation. And this is exactly what is going, God is doing here. Although his word is already enough, he also added an oath to the promise so that we, the heirs of the promises that been made through Abraham and to be made in believer of Jesus Christ might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope and in a timely way, the writer reminds the reader that God cannot lie, did not just give his word of promise, but also the ought to back up this promise so that whoever takes refuge in him would have a strong hope. But you can ask, hope in what? Look at verse 19 and verse 20, where the writer says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enter into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a priest, uh, become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Friends, how wonderful it is just to read this word. The hope we have is in the person. The hope we have is in the work the hope we have is in the words of the incarnate Son of God, that is, Jesus Christ himself. He went on our behalf as a forerunner to die on the cross, taking away the sins from our shoulder and bought us with his precious blood. And as we started to see last week, he brings us this wonderful salvation by being our great high priest. After the order of Melchizedek, we can look to him with certainty, the eternal priest who had been perfect sacrifice of himself once for all, for all our sin, and who will be our advocate on the judgment day. So friends, as conclusion, as well for our application, I would like to stress on three important points for us to take back hope. First, grow up. Friends, grow up in your maturity and knowledge. Grow up in your faith in God and Christ. There's always a space for us to explore something new, especially from the Word of God, and to grow in His knowledge. Friends, the Word of God, the only thing will make us and well-trained and be skillful in righteousness and become overcomer of the world. There is no end. It will never end growing in and with God. And friends, if you realize you have grown dull of hearing of God's word, take the rebuke of the passage clearly and very seriously and start keenly pursuing in the maturity of understanding of word of God once again. And second, hold on tight to the faith. Please, please, 
Hold on tight to the faith. Take the warning of it is impossible, very serious. Friends, you have tasted all the blessing from God. And if you let go the faith, it would be impossible for any one of us to bring you back to repentance. And if this continues on, hell would be the last answer where you'll be burnt. So hold on tight to the faith that God has given to you through Jesus Christ. And finally, joining the writer, I would like to remind each one of you here that Jesus is our only hope. Trust in Him. Friend, indeed, Jesus is our only hope for salvation. He given up Himself once for all as a perfect sacrifice for our sin so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He is our only hope and our only way. If you trust Christ, if you believe in Him, I praise God for you. However, if you are not, take this as a calling for you to put your trust and put your faith in Christ. Remember, Christ is the one who God's promise with an ought so that we might be able to obtain all the heavenly blessing of salvation that God has for us in and through Christ. Let us pray. Father, we want to give you thanks for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who went as a forerunner on our behalf to die for our sin, taking away the sins from our shoulder and bear on his shoulder. And help us, Lord, to put our trust and our faith in him. And help us, Lord, to continue to grow in your maturity. Help us to grow in the knowledge. Especially, help us to grow in the faith as well. And Lord, we pray that you will be with us, Lord. And Lord, help us not to be only the hearer of your word, but also a doer of your word as well, Lord. All this we pray and ask in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.